When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. The Hartford understands protecting your business with the proper insurance can be a challenge. The Hartford team can provide coverage to suit your industry. The Hartford empowers mid- to large-size companies like yours to help manage risk, from liability and property insurance to workers' comp and more. Let the Hartford help protect what's unique about your business. Learn how at thehartford.com. Meet Gary. Gary's about to become an Einstein in an instant. Whoa, Einstein hair. I like it. That's right, Gary, because you're using Salesforce powered by Einstein AI to connect data, predict business trends, generate personalized content, and wow customers. I do feel a lot smarter. Because you're not just Gary anymore. You're Gary, empowered by Einstein AI. Did you hear that, team? I'm an Einstein. Oh, can I get a selfie? The number one AI CRM. Now everyone's an Einstein with Salesforce. Now, from our nation's capital, this is Bloomberg Sound On. All eyes are on Pennsylvania because this is the seat to the majority. I had a stroke. He's never let me forget that. And I might miss some words during this debate. As a physician, I've been in the room when there's some difficult conversations happening. Bloomberg Sound On. Politics, policy, and perspective. From D.C.'s top names. Allegations coming from the Russians that uh, somehow the Ukrainians are looking, are contemplating using a so-called dirty bomb. We are concerned uh, that this false allegation could be used as a pretext. Bloomberg Sound On with Joe Matthew on Bloomberg Radio. The path gets more difficult for Democrats following the debate in Pennsylvania. Welcome to the fastest hour in politics as John Fetterman goes at it with Dr. Oz, even as he continues to recover from a stroke. Was it worth it? We're joined by a pro, political consultant, longtime debate coach, Brett O'Donnell, with us first on Sound On. The Russian military, meantime, running drills, simulating a nuclear strike. The Secretary of State speaking exclusively with Bloomberg News about what would be, in his words, an incredibly serious mistake. We'll have more on that conversation with Kurt Volker, former U.S. Special Rep for Ukraine negotiations, former U.S. Ambassador to NATO. Our signature panel's in place. Bloomberg Politics contributor Jeannie Shanzano here in New York. Rick Davis is in Washington. John Fetterman went right for it in his opening statement during last night's Senate debate with Dr. Oz, Dr. Mehmet Oz, and what he called, what Fetterman called the elephant in the room. I had a stroke. He's never let me forget that. And I might miss some words during this debate, mush two words together, but it knocked me down, but I'm going to keep coming back up. Solid opening message, but of course he made good on that warning, and he did struggle through portions of this debate. Now, of course, we knew that there would be closed captioning, and to be clear, there were two 70-inch monitors above the moderators, which resulted in some delay, as I'm going to play for you here, and this is kind of the best example of what he was dealing with last night, not only a delay in answering the question, but at times forming the answer. This was a question about fracking and whether he was on one side of this issue or the other. There is that 2018 interview that you said, quote, I don't support fracking at all. So how do you square the two? Oh, 
I, I, I do support fracking, and I don't, I don't, I support fracking, and I stand, and I do support fracking. So Okay, thank you, Mr. Fetterman. There we have it. He did say that he supports fracking, but that was then mixed up with I don't, and people were confused at times in this debate, remembering he's going against the TV stars. Dr. Oz, for crying out loud, has spent years in front of the camera as a well-paid television personality. He had his own struggles, and we're going to go through that as well. Uh, this was a tense debate, and a lot of Democrats today are now asking why now that we see where he is in his recovery, why was John Fetterman put in such a vulnerable position with two weeks to go before the election? Brett O'Donnell joins us now. I've been looking forward to this conversation. Media strategist, president of O'Donnell and Associates. He helped seven U.S. Senate candidates prepare to go on to win victory in 2016 assisted in preparing Governor Mitt Romney for presidential primary debates in Florida, was director of messaging for the McCain presidential campaign, helped to prepare John McCain, and was retained by the Bush-Cheney camp to assist the president in debate preparation for the 2004 presidential debates. Brett O'Donnell, I can't imagine what you were thinking watching this last night. Was it worth the exercise? Well, it was painful. And as I wrote today, it really proves that you know, it, it, it's not that uh, that uh, Mehmet Oz won't let John Fetterman forget about his stroke. John Fetterman reminded Pennsylvanians, and they will never forget last night, in mm -hmm. my opinion. Uh, most of the media, Joe Scarborough said, this was painful to watch, mm -hmm. regardless of your politics, whether you're Republican or Democrat. Because, you know, debates are really important, in my opinion. That's what I do for a living. They're important to the political process because... They demonstrate an essential skill of a candidate. That skill is to be able to synthesize complex, thought, complex thoughts quickly and put them into cogent communication uh, 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 thoughts that mm -hmm. are uh, short, 60 seconds or so. And Fetterman failed that test, unfortunately. It wasn't, you know, Fetter, uh, Oz was good. He was uh, his normal TV self. He yeah. stayed on message. He stayed on the on the attack, but he had his moments. But but uh, Fetterman had great problems last night synthesizing anything. I mean, what you played from the fracking uh, response was one of the worst moments in the debate. But it also right. seemed that he was frequently lost. I, I don't think it was the timing of the closed captioning that did it to him. I just think that he's in recovery as a as a stroke uh, patient, and yeah. we wish him well on that recovery. So would you have let him but, go out there, or would you have tried to prepare him in a different way? No, I would have never let him go out. Would never uh, have let him. I would have taken him through prep, yeah. and he would have been sick that evening and unable to uh, appear because oh. the appearance did. You know, you 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 basically measure these appearances by what does the most harm. Mm -hmm. And right. you might have gotten some bad stories off of saying he was ill, but uh, you're get, you're getting much more negative stories off of the performance last night. You know, debates are the most performative aspect of a campaign mm -hmm. and your inability to uh, perform in that atmosphere can be a killer. I mean, there's, there's debates are replete with examples of this. I mean, Ronald Reagan right. back in the 84 debates had a problem in his first debate against Walter Mondale, yeah. but made a big comeback in his second debate because he was able to do that. Mm -hmm. John Fetterman's not able to do this because he's not up for the challenges of a, a U.S. Senate seat. and. Um, you know, I think Pennsylvanians, at least Pennsylvania Democrats, should have considered their options 
before they let him into the primary. Connor Lamb would have performed much better last night. And was the Fetterman campaign yeah. emboldened by the the watching the Herschel Walker campaign go through its debate having been you know they were they were told god don't do it after the uh, the uh, the scandal came up the uh, the allegations about paying for the abortion just cancel the debate nobody cares about debates anymore is what they said brett now john fetterman's you know watches this happen went pretty well herschel walker's back in the game did they think they could pull off the same thing um i don't know that that's a great comparison because herschel walker was challenged at least by the press yeah. on not being knowledgeable or fit for the office. And he proved differently because he's a smart person. John Fetterman's a smart person, mm -hmm. but he is recovering from a major stroke. That is very obvious. Mm -hmm. And I think Pennsylvanians would do well to let him recover rather than send him to the U S Senate. I think it does a disservice to both him and to uh, the people that he would represent. He's, he's not going to be able to be a competent representative for them. That was proven last evening. And so, you know, I, I don't think it's a great comparison. I, I'm not sure what their decision calculus was because if they did any serious debate prep, they would have found out loading him up with just a bunch of lines yeah. was not gonna get him Because you have that to be debate. able to sell those lines, right? He couldn't yeah, even he really get the, the 10 mansions and that kind of stuff. I do wanna bring you into a moment uh, in the campaign or in the debate, Brett, uh, when the issue of abortion came up, because this is one that is being actually uh, hung around Dr. Oz here and the way that he handled this question, it, 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 was, it was a poor choice of words at best. Listen to Dr. Oz. There should not be involvement from the federal government in how states decide their abortion decisions. As a physician, I've been in the room when there's some difficult conversations happening. I don't want the federal government involved with that at all. I want women, doctors, local uh, political leaders letting the democracy that's always allowed our nation to thrive. It seemed like he was onto something with the, you know, I've been in the room, Brett. That's a good place oh. to start. I'm a, I'm a physician. But then to suggest yeah. that local political leaders are in the room too, boy, that was uh, that was a viral moment for Democrats last night. Yeah, I agree, but I think it's being taken out of context. Look, Dr. Oz said he didn't want the federal government in the room. And I think what he was trying to say is that he wanted this, he wanted doctors and women, their husbands or whatever in yeah. the room, and that he wanted this decision, the decisions about abortion laws to be made at the local and state level. Mm -hmm. And I think that he ended up kind of convoluting all three of those things. Um, and it's being read as he wants local politicians in yeah. the room. I don't I don't think that's exactly right. I think that he was saying he wants these decisions made at the state level, which is what the court said. But he could have been a little bit more articulate in, in expressing that. So we can knock this around a couple different ways as we as we are with Brett O'Donnell, knowing that six hundred and thirty nine thousand people in Pennsylvania have voted early. Does this debate end up making a difference one way or the other, Brett? I actually think it does. OK, um, you know. I think that there are still a lot of votes uh, to be made in Pennsylvania. Uh, and I think a lot of folks that saw this are going to be disheartened if they were thinking about voting for Fetterman. I think it makes a huge difference in the middle with independent voters who are going to see his positions because it wasn't just his performance. Dr. Oz was did a really good job of persecuting the case, prosecuting the case of of uh, of his liberal positions. And Fetterman really didn't respond to that uh, in a meaningful way. And so, um, you know, I think that that's going to hurt uh, 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 Fetterman as well, the exposure of those positions. So I think the debate did great damage. And I, I do think that 
it could have a meaningful difference. You know, I, I hearken back to last year when Terry McAuliffe in a debate said that he didn't want parents yeah. in schools telling teachers what to teach. Right. And that was a visceral moment in the uh, campaign that helped elect Glenn Youngkin. And I think that this debate will make a difference. Debates wow. do make a difference. I, I tell people you can't win an election in a debate, but you can lose one. Huh. And I think John Fetterman lost it last night. What a way to make a living. Brett, thank you so much uh, for sharing your expertise. Brett O'Donnell of O'Donnell and Associates. He's forgotten more debates than most people have ever been involved in and a fascinating view inside the process. This is a profession, you know. Rick Davis has done his share of this as well, and he's going to come in next with Jeannie Shanzano, our signature panel the night after Fetterman versus Oz. We'll have a few more moments from that debate and talk a bit more about what's left here with two weeks, God, less than two weeks until actual voting takes place. Aside from the thousands already in the mail. Signature panels up next. I'm Joe Matthew. This is Bloomberg. You're listening to Bloomberg Sound On with Joe Matthew on Bloomberg Radio. A longtime Democratic strategist talked to Bloomberg after the debate last night. Fetterman Oz said John Fetterman should make his physician publicly available to answer questions about his recovery starting right now. Remembering that he actually put out a medical report. Remember, this wasn't exactly the medical records, but a report by the doctors saying that he was fit to serve. But that came up again last night and whether John Fetterman should be more transparent about his recovery. Here's the back and forth. Uh, to me, for transparency is about showing up. I'm here today to have a debate. I have you know, spe speeches in front of 3,000 people in Montgomery County, you know, all across Pennsylvania, big, big crowds. You know, I believe if my doctor believes that I'm fit to serve and and that's what I believe is appropriate. And now with two weeks before the election, you know, I have run a campaign and I've been very transparent about being very open about the fact we're in use captioning. And I believe that, again, my doctors, the real doctors that I believe in, they all believe that I'm ready to be served. Follow up. I didn't hear you say you would release your full medical records. Why not? You have 30 seconds. No. Uh, yeah, again, my Dr. L believes that I'm fit to be serving, and that's what I believe is where I'm standing. Right. That's the sum of the panel. Jeannie Shanzano is with me here at World Headquarters in New York. Rick Davis is in Washington. Our Bloomberg Politics contributors make our signature panel on Sound On. Democrats are wondering exactly what I discussed with Brett Jeannie, whether this ever should have been allowed to begin with. Did John Fetterman hurt himself last night or, or fail uh, to advance his campaign? You know, he, he's not likely to lose people who were committed to him from the beginning. And we do have, you know, about 700,000 early votes in Pennsylvania, yeah. about 80% of those Democrats. Certainly mm -hmm. those are going to stick. They're not changing their mind. They're not changing. They're not allowed to, we don't mm -hmm. think. But the, the problem for him is if this is a race that's going to be decided in the suburbs and by independent, undecided voters, this can be a costly misstep on the part of the campaign. Because as, you know, compassionate as voters are, they have a right and realistically do ask themselves, is this person capable of doing the job? Mm -hmm. Now, let's be clear, stroke survivors have done the job. We've talked about Senator Mark Kirk. That's right. But I think, and I agree with the Democratic strategist that was on Bloomberg last night, 
release the, put the doctor out to answer questions, and I think release the full medical records. I think that should have been done initially. I also think they made a misstep because it doesn't feel like they were particularly transparent from the start about his condition. So they should have been clear on that so voters weren't surprised and shocked last night. And unfortunately for them, that's what happened. How much of a game changer is this debate, Rick? How, How bad did John Fetterman potentially hurt himself? You know, look, I mean, if he loses the election, uh, this debate is going to get blamed as the cause. That's right. uh, we should remind lot- everyone they're inside a point here, right? This is truly the closest yeah. Senate race in the country. Closest Senate race in the, co- in the country, but he's been leading throughout, right? I mean, there's been very few polls that have showed him, uh, you know, trailing. And so, you know, arguably it's been his to lose all summer. And now that we're in the fall and uh, we're starting to see what kind of condition he's in, you know, that's, that, that could influence the vote. So... No question, though, that that if if Oz does win, um, they're going to look back on on this debate and say that this was one of the points where, you know, it was a perfect opportunity for Fetterman to uh, uh, make people feel comfortable with his condition. Mm-hmm. And he didn't do it. And so regardless of, you know, how it all plays out, that's that's going to be one of the factors. So, you know, in two weeks, we're going to be here talking about well, we'll be in Washington talking about results and, and watching this thing unfold, uh, Jeannie. Uh, Democrats, let's say they're not able to flip Pennsylvania. Dr. Oz, Mehmet Oz becomes the senator. The baton goes from Pat Toomey. It stays Republican. It's looking like Herschel Walker could win this Senate race despite another scandal today that we'll talk about later this hour. Another uh, woman has come forward. He might actually flip that seat in Georgia. Ohio's looking shaky for Tim Ryan. What's the path to keeping the Senate? You know, the three big ones have been all along, Georgia, Pennsylvania, and Nevada. And if they lose Georgia, if that flips, if they retain Pennsylvania, because we forget, but it is a Republican seat, so Mm -hmm. it's really Republicans to lose. And, you know, it is uh, Cortez Masto has a tough road to hoe in Nevada Mm -hmm. still. It is probably going to be all over for Democrats at that point. We will have a very narrowly, potentially, or a few seats majority for Republicans. So the stakes couldn't have been higher last night. Mm. And this is why this issue of his health is so important. And, you know, for Democrats, they've got to be incredibly frustrated because on the issues, Fetterman does line up with many voters in Pennsylvania. On the issue of abortion alone already, they've put out an ad the Fetterman campaign has against Dr. Oz because he suggested that local politicians should be warding over women's health care. And that's not popular in a state like Pennsylvania. But they had to make the case that he was able and healthy to serve. And they had to do it transparently. And I'm afraid for, you know, at least for some voters, this may have been a bridge too far to ask them to look at what happened last night and feel comfortable. I had to ask him about football ahead of this weekend. We ready for this one, Sebastian? Steelers or Eagles? Mr. Fetterman, Steelers or Eagles and why? Oh, clearly always for the Steelers. Steelers. Mr. Oz. I'll be at the game rooting for my Eagles. Uh, Fly, Eagles, fly. He really (laughs) sang. All right, hit the fight song. This is what he was singing. The Eagles fight song a la Dr. Oz. Rick and Jeannie will stay with us for the hour, our signature panel, as we fight our way on Bloomberg Sound On. I'm Joe Matthew. This is Bloomberg. Right around this time yesterday, we brought you to the White House, heard from President Biden warning of grave consequences. Remember, if 
Vladimir Putin chose to use a tactical nuclear weapon. He was asked about it while he was getting his booster shot, uh, of all things. And today, the Secretary of State, Antony Blinken, echoed Biden's warning in a special exclusive interview with Bloomberg News. We've seen the, these um, allegations coming from the Russians that uh, somehow the Ukrainians are looking are contemplating using a so-called dirty bomb, uh, which is um, an utter fabrication uh, and something that uh, is also the height of irresponsibility coming from a, a nuclear power. It would also be very consistent with what we have seen by Russia first accusing another nation of something before doing it it themselves. Uh, This is something being watched very closely and a great concern now as we head for winter in this conflict with both sides trying to move the needle here. Kurt Volker joins us, delighted to say, former U.S. Special Representative for Ukraine negotiations and former U.S. Ambassador to NATO. Mr. Ambassador, thanks for coming along. And it's typically not to talk about something very good here with regard to Ukraine, almost, what, nine months into this war. How concerned are you about Vladimir Putin making good on these threats? Uh, Well, it's a risk. And, you know, if you put ourselves back eight, nine months ago, a year ago, we were looking at zero risk of any kind of nuclear use. Now it's more than zero. I still think it's low. I don't think it achieves any military objective for Putin. It would just be out of revenge. It would damage his own forces. It would mean the territory where he does it becomes uninhabitable, so he can't achieve his goal of taking territory. And I think the warning that we heard from Tony Blinken just now and previously from the president, Mm -hmm. Jake Sullivan, Mm -hmm. is exactly right. Because we can't live in a world where any country, whether it's Russia or North Korea or anyone else, feels that they can use a nuclear weapon and get away with it. Uh, There have got to be consequences for that so we don't change the whole nature of security in the world. And so warning them on that and saying that there would be devastating consequences for the Russian military yeah. if they use a nuclear weapon is very important. Russia carried out military exercises simulating uh, a retaliation, a retaliatory nuclear strike uh, to, to give us the backdrop here for, for some of the rhetoric that we're hearing. Does that inform Vladimir Putin's intentions at all? Or, or is, is, is this just more uh, playing war in an effort to scare people and get folks like us to talk about it? Right, exactly that. Uh, What Putin is doing is he is trying to get inside the heads of leaders in the West to make them feel that this is too dangerous and we have to tell the Ukrainians to surrender somehow, give up territory, you know, concede to Putin something. And so he's trying to influence our thinking. Uh, Whether he would actually go through with it would be a very different calculation, and I don't think related to any of the stuff we're seeing. And I think it would be more a matter of Putin concluding that he has no option for staying in power, no choice other than defeat or using a nuclear weapon. And I think, you know, that's a risk that we may come to, but we're not there now. Administration officials uh, apparently have a plan. You know, of course, the Pentagon has any number of scenarios that they game out. What would be the plan? If not a tactical nuke ambassador was was mm-hmm. set off, but a dirty bomb, which would be something much easier for the Russians to pull off, would, would inflict less damage on uh, on Putin's own people. What does the administration do? Yeah, I, I think in either case, uh, there still has to be a conventional response against Russia's military in some way, mm. uh, just to send a signal that we, we know you did this and we don't accept that you can do this. Conventional uh, being couple- the key word. 
Yeah, convention. We should not be crossing a nuclear threshold over this. And indeed, I, I think that um, we have conventional capabilities that would be very effective against the Russian Navy or Russian deployed forces. And the Russians know that. Uh, and uh, a couple of former uh, generals, uh, General Petraeus about two weeks ago, also former Secretary General Phil Breedlove, they've talked about uh, using uh, uh, long-range Whenever we get close to something in Russia, do we lose him or can you hear us, Ambassador? You like to think we can reconnect. Uh, there yeah, he is. I'm, I'm here. Excellent. Yeah, no, no. A couple of former generals, I was just saying, it, they um, essentially uh, said that we could use di missiles from a distance, like Tomahawk missiles, yeah. take out the Black Sea Fleet entirely without risking any personnel. And I think the Russians know we could do that. And especially the military, I think, is, is more cautious even than Putin in thinking about this. Ambassador Volker, uh, I want to ask you, knowing that you resigned famously as special representative following revelations that the former president sought to trade uh, President Zelensky weapons for an investigation into the Biden family. We don't have to relitigate all of that. But there's there's a real conversation happening now in the U.S. about continuing funding the war effort here. I'm sure you heard about progressive Democrats, mm -hmm. 30 of them sending this letter, which was then yep. rescinded. Strangely, you've heard Kevin McCarthy say no blank yep. check if he becomes the Republican leader in the House. How difficult will it be for the administration to continue writing these checks if that's the case? Right. Well, I think actually, despite those things that you just mentioned, the letter and, and McCarthy's statements, um, I, and they're different, by the way, I, I think McCarthy's statements were aimed at accountability mm -hmm. as a way of keeping the right on board. Uh, what the progressives were doing were basically calling on the administration to cut a deal with Putin over the heads of the Ukrainians. They, they say that's not what it said, but that was the practical effect of the letter, and they did withdraw it. Yeah. But as far as the next year and a half, two years goes, I think the administration has a lot of running room. There is strong bipartisan support in both chambers, the House and the Senate, Republicans and Democrats, to continue supporting Ukraine and pushing back on Russia. If you think about the military part of this, you know, the 16, 17 billion that we've uh, spent on Ukraine's military assistance, this money goes from the U.S. Treasury to the Pentagon, yep. the Pentagon to U.S. defense industry. Mm -hmm. It strengthens our supply chains in the U.S. And then that weaponry goes to the Pentagon again. And then we either give them old equipment or in some cases new equipment. Yeah. But there's no lack of accountability on this. So and I think we have something solid... that you're concerned about. Uh, ambassador, thank you, as always, for being with us. Kurt Volker, former U.S. ambassador to NATO here on Bloomberg Sound On. We'll reassemble the panel next. You're listening to Bloomberg Sound On with Joe Matthew on Bloomberg Radio. We haven't even talked about Iran yet. Another wrinkle on the Russia story today. The White House is concerned about it, that Russia using, of course, attack drones made by Iran in Ukraine, now advising Iran on tactics to crack down on protesters. Can you imagine the advice from Vladimir Putin? I'm Joe Matthew at World Headquarters in New York. Thanks for joining us on Bloomberg Sound On. Jeannie Shanzano is here and Rick Davis, too. Jeannie's in New York. Rick's in Washington, our signature panel here on the Fastest Hour in Politics. Talked about this for a bit yesterday. Hearing straight from Antony Blinken today in our Washington offices, he was there at the D.C. Bureau talking with Bloomberg about this, this threat of a, the, the potential use of a dirty bomb. That could be another false flag. This is what Russia specializes in. The pretext, right? Here's how Blinken put it. The reason this particular 
allegation gives us some concern is because Russia has a track record of projecting, which is to say accusing others of doing something that they themselves have done or thinking about doing. Uh, but there again, we've communicated very clearly and very directly to the Russians uh, about trying to uh, use this false allegation as a pretext for any kind of escalation on Russia's behalf. Rick Davis, the White House is going out of its way on this one. They had John Kirby uh, joining the press secretary today in the briefing room. You know things are getting serious uh, when the, the retired admiral shows up. How are you reading into this chorus that seems to be growing louder? We've heard of the you know other pretexts like this. We've seen Russia projecting like this. White House seems to think it's pretty real this time. Well, they've used this kind of intelligence and, and, and trying to get ahead of these events like the invasion itself as a deterrent, right? Uh, try to bring world criticism to the door of the Kremlin so that uh, they don't make mistakes by doing something really horrific like mm. exploding a dirty bomb in, 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 in the Ukrainian territory. So uh, I have no doubt the first order of events is to ensure that nothing like this happens. And so this kind of rhetoric is designed to de- deter Putin from pulling the trigger on something like that. Uh, but I think they've also led down, as uh, Ambassador Volker said, a pretty hard line on the fact that there will be very extreme results uh, if anything like this happens. So um, we'll see if Vladimir Putin takes any of this stuff seriously uh, and or whether he just is going to prosecute this war on his own terms. I don't know how you avoid an escalation with the U.S. or with NATO at that point, Jeannie. Uh, having heard what Ambassador Volker said, OK, a conventional strike on, on the Russian military. If that, in fact, is connected to the U.S., I don't know who would do that. I'm assuming he meant the U.S. That would be our plan, unless we had the Ukrainians do it for us. That's the start of a new war, isn't it? it? You know, as the president has talked about before, that would be potentially the start of World War III. And the United States, with this proxy war, has you know tried, as the rest of the West and NATO, to avoid that. Yeah. But if they indeed engage in this kind of dirty bomb tactic... I'm not sure how you avoid it, to the ambassador's point. And let's not forget that Russia, and we know this from the British Defense Ministry, that they are running low right now on artillery and ammunition. Putin is cornered, and time is running out because of the winter approaching. And a cornered Putin is a dangerous Putin, and that's why we keep hearing Ukraine say that they're performing secret uh, work at this, you know, Europe's largest nuclear plant, Mm. and it may be in preparation for the use of this dirty bomb. So it is a very scary time, and that is why, of course, you know, as you hear from the progressive left and from the conservative right, the idea the United States may not be funding support for Ukraine anymore becomes yeah. even more dangerous for the West. How different, Rick, would be the use of a dirty bomb versus a tactical nuke? And, and would our would our response be measured uh, depending on what was used? You know, it's just circumstantial. Uh, Is there a Jeannie line points between out, the two? You know, using a using a nuclear reactor and 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 exploding that is basically a dirty bomb, right? Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, they've been threatening to do that for quite some time already, and and so that that would have an impact, obviously, on the surrounding area. Dirty bomb doesn't have probably the casualty rate, unless they yeah. they do a tactical tactical nuke over the air somewhere to sort of demonstrate their resolve. But all these things are if 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 they right? are. You, yes. you want to just avoid that by saying. Look, uh, you got a Black Sea fleet. It disappears the day after you play with nuclear weapons, right? And that is a promise we can keep. But uh, that's also a new front in a new war, isn't it? I mean, no, that's the now same the front. US is going. I mean, the Black Sea fleet has been engaged in this war, and 
and somebody sank one already. Their their, their number did. one Muscova, you know, ship. Yeah. Uh, the rest of them could all sink on the same day, right? <laughs> and so uh, there is enormous military capacity surrounding the country of Ukraine within the NATO alliance, and the overwhelming force that could be brought to bear mm-hmm. on any one target is beyond comprehension. And I think that's basically what what Joe Biden is is threatening Vladimir Putin with. That boy, Rick certainly put that well. We talk about this like we know what we're talking about here. And and we talk to a lot of smart people, Jeannie, a lot of military analysts, people of great experience. But to the point, to Rick's point, you, you couldn't possibly comprehend what we could do to them. But that's also the scary part of this story, that that would unleash, to your point, World War III potentially. That's right. And, you know, the people we hear from that are experts in this area, to your point, one thing that they keep imploring the administration and NATO to do is to work, quite frankly, with people who have still some potential sway over Putin. Mm -hmm. And that is primarily China and India at this point, as you just mentioned, what's going on in Iran. Um, And so that's what makes what happened over the weekend with Xi Jinping that much more important as he becomes leader for, you know, the, the future, the rest of his life in China, because we are at a certain stage dependent on their ability to sway Russia, to sway Putin and to hold this off. Those are the two leaders, the two countries and Xi Jinping and Modi that could potentially do that and avoid this kind of disaster. And yet it's hard to Not say at this point. Yet. Whether we, you know, we we'd have any uh, ability to reach them, or the the president would certainly. India and Modi should should yeah. be reachable, but we haven't seen evidence of that. Living next door to another nuclear power in Pakistan, uh, in our remaining moments with Rick and Jeannie, we're we're going to get back on the campaign trail, if I can call it that, for a moment here. Uh, listen to Herschel Walker, of course, uh, in as we've described, one of the other. Senate races that's too close to call and will help to decide the balance of power in the United States Senate and in Washington. He's been really kind of forward on the campaign trail since the debate. He's handing out badges to people in the crowd. He's kind of embracing some of the accusations uh, that have been made against him. My God, he went so far as to compare himself to Ricky Bobby today. Listen. And I also want to acknowledge my wife, Julie, because she's in this fight with me. And it is a fight, but they don't know in a fight, I'm Ricky Bobby. I don't know. <laughs> Somebody explain that to me later. Uh, I saw that movie. I'm still not sure I get the line, but but ho- hold on. We've got a new scandal uh, on our hands here. Uh, another woman has come forward. Jane Doe is represented by Gloria Allred. Now, I don't know if this changes anything genie if this is a story that you know obviously he's survived a lot of allegations here of uh of, of paying for a former partner's abortion now we have another woman who has come forward listen to jane doe today i was certain that i was pregnant as a result of my relationship with herschel and because i was not intimate with anyone else at the time he then drove me to the clinic the following day and waited for hours in the parking lot until I came out. He then drove me to get medications and supplies as prescribed, and then drove me home. Pretty tough to hear this, uh, as Gloria Allred holds up a photograph of Herschel Walker in bed. Rick Davis, does it matter? 
you know, look, it's another bad week for Herschel Walker on the campaign trail. Um, whether or not that impacts his base, people who uh, really don't care about him but uh, want a Republican in the Senate so that the Senate can be Republican uh, majority, yeah. uh, it's not going to affect them. Um, but in order to get there, he's probably got a few, you know, tens of thousands of voters who are going to have to say, you know what, uh, uh, I, I, I got to come to grips with this. And those swing voters are going to be thinking about abortion going into the election, and that's a bad thing for him. We haven't seen this move the needle yet, really, Jeannie, especially after the debate. They're, they're neck and neck. Does this change anything? Yeah, and, and let's not forget early voting. About one million voters already cast their ballots in Georgia. Mm-hmm. So these late drops of information have less of an impact than mm-hmm. they used to before we had so much early voting in the United States. Um, I did have to look up the Ricky Bobby reference, Joe Matthew, <laughs> because my movie trivia escaped me. Talladega Nights. Yeah. I don't yeah. know if I've seen it. I don't now. know what scene that what that was. I, oh, no, I, I highly encourage you to watch yeah, that. Oh, okay, yeah. I, I, I I was baffled it's, by that, but now I'm sort of with we're you. We're getting to the good content. We're here. getting to the good content, I guess. But the reality is, is this is another example, if it's proven to be true, of hypocrisy on the part of Herschel Walker, mm-hmm. because he has taken a stance, at least prior to the debate, that women in Georgia and around the country shouldn't have an option, and they shouldn't have. They're not even in the case for exception for rape or incest. He changed that over the debate, and yet we've got another story of what's not good for the American women is okay for Herschel Walker when it pleases him. And so if it's proven to be true, it's that hypocrisy. But to Rick's point, it's hard to know whether it matters or not at this point. Yeah, when we're going to find out real soon. The election is less than two weeks off, whether you're looking at the Fetterman-Oz race or the Walker-Warnock race. I had to think about that for a second. It's going to be right down to the wire, and we may not know the day after who won these races, which is something we're all trying to get around in our heads here as we head for the election night. Jeannie, thank you. Great to have you at World Headquarters in New York. Rick Davis in Washington. We'll meet you back here tomorrow on the fastest hour in politics. Where does it go? This is Bloomberg.